NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jamal. You're listening to Pot of Fame, podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about the legacy of Dwayne Wade. And joining us in just a moment, discuss his career and what he meant to the Miami Heat as well as the NBA is the host of the Locked on Heat podcast, David Rimmel. Before I bring David on, let's talk a little more about Dwayne Wade. Um, You know, Wade played 16 NBA seasons, 15 of them in Miami. Uh, You know, he played, I guess, a few games for Chicago and Cleveland at the end of his career. But Miami is, of course, what we all know Wade from. And he's the best player in Miami Heat history. Uh, He was a 13-time All-Star, an 8-time All-NBA team member, and won three championships over there. Of course, two with LeBron, but also one, not in his own, but, you know, he had an older Shaq. He had some other, an older Gary Payne, some other players on that team. But he really did carry that 2006 Miami Heat team to the NBA championship where he not only won the championship form, but won MVP. Um, he was also the all-star MVP in 2010. He was a three-time all-defensive teamer. And for his career average, 22 points a game, five boards, five assists on 48% shooting, 29% from three, and 77% from the line. Also won, won a scoring title in 2009, 30.2 points per game. Kind of forgot he was that good of a score at one point of his career. He had 23,165 career points, 5,701 career assists, 4,933 career rebounds, 1,620 steals, and 885 blocks, which is the third most blocks by a shooting guard. He also was a part of that bronze medalist Olympic team in 2004 and the gold medalist redeem team in 2008. Um, really quickly, that 2006 championship, the one without LeBron, without Bosch, that he won early in his career, one of the best finals performances of all time. He averaged 34.7 points per game in that series, 7.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists, shooting 47% from the field, also had 2.7 steals and one block uh, per game, and they beat the Mavericks in that series four games to two. Um, He was the fifth youngest MVP ever at that time uh, to win the finals MVP at 24. And honestly, he's looked upon as one of the best finals performances of all time. And Dave and I are going to talk about that quite a bit more in the podcast. Uh, The Hall of Fame right now, Dwayne Wade is a finalist for the 2023 class. Uh, the the, The final class will be announced on April 1st. That's coming up uh, during the... I think it's halftime of the final four. It's on April 1st, though. It's not going to be an April Fool's Day joke. Uh, If you hear Dwayne Wade did not make that class, that will be a joke. We all know he will be. Um, This year's class, as you've been listening to my podcast recently, you know, this 2023 class is going to have Dirk. It's going to have Wade. It's most likely also going to have Gasol and Parker. I don't imagine it not. So uh, Wade will be a part of this very star-studded cast of Hall of Famers um, for the 2023 class. So, uh, I, I, you know, this podcast, we usually talk about, you know, should he be in, shouldn't he be in? We all know Dwayne Wade's in. Hope you didn't freak out when you saw this episode. Like, how can 
how can you argue he's not? That's not what we're doing here. Uh, it's more to pay tribute to one of the, the best players of all time and debate things not like, you know, should he be in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, is Dwayne Wade the, the third best shooting guard in NBA history? Is is Dwayne Wade the best Heat player in NBA history? Things like that. So it's a really fun pat podcast. Uh, David came on a couple of years ago to talk about Chris Bosh, who is now in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and he was a great guest to have on again to talk about Dwayne Wade. So with the quick facts out of the way, let's bring on David. All right. So joining me once again on the podcast today is the host of the Locked On Heat podcast, David Ramel. David, welcome back. How have you been? I've been great. How are you? I am good. So last time you were on, we were talking about career Hall of Fame Cansey of Chris Bosch, who is now in the Hall of Fame. David, was it us that got him in? Maybe, maybe not. But we talked like about so. it. <laughs> we talked about him. He is now in. Um, and today we're talking about someone, you know, Bosch won two championships with in Miami. Uh, and that, of course, is Dwayne Wade, who, again, he's up for the Hall of Fame this year. He's a finalist as we're speaking today on March 9th. Let's be honest, David, he's going to get in um, when the, the class is announced. There's a spoiler alert here. He's going to be announced um, April 1st. He will be a part of that class. So to, what today, David and I are going to talk about today, right, is, you know, his legacy, his case for the Hall of Fame, um, and, you know, whether or not he should be this clear-cut first ballot kind of guy. Um, and, you know, Wade, of course, won three championships with Miami, he was, of course, the finals MVP in 2006. And David, I'm sure we'll talk about that series quite a bit here today because I think that really, you know, put him on the national stage there. Yes. Before we go anywhere, David, the first thing I'm going to ask you at the top here is, and again, you talk about the Miami Heat all the time. I'm sure Wade comes up quite a bit. <laughs> but when you hear the name Dwayne Wade, what's the first thing that's usually popping up in your mind? Well, he's the greatest player in franchise history, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um LeBron James had a great four-year run. Shaquille O'Neal was solid. Alonzo Mourning helped define the team before that. But nothing tops what Wade was able to accomplish when he was first drafted in 2003 and in the ensuing years when he was a member of the Heat. Of course, there was that year-and-a-half absence where he was with both the Chicago Bulls and Cleveland Cavaliers, and Heat fans don't like even talking about it. They kind of pretend it never happened, and then he was welcomed back, and it seemed like it was just like good old times all over again. He had some a couple game winners, a triple double in his last game uh, as an active player. So I, you know, for me, watching Wade and the infancy of his career and his evolution throughout it, what always sticks out is he defined what it was to be a superstar for me. And to see that evolution take place, because I've always considered a superstar to be a complete game changer, both offensively and defensively. Somebody who can take over the game in a matter of minutes and change the course of a game single-handedly. There are very few players that I think could do that. And I watched the careers of Jordan, Pippen, etc., but... I, I never saw those as they were playing out early on and then how they evolved into the kind of players they were. By the time I started watching basketball, they were already fully blossomed. They were clearly established stars. With Dwayne, it was very different. He was drafted in 2003. There was a lot of potential, a lot of talk about his elite athleticism and everything else. But almost at the same time, there were doubts because he was drafted. He's a little undersized. A lot of people forget he played the point early in his career. 
uh, coming off the bench for Stan Van Gundy in his first season with Miami. And then by the time the playoffs rolled around in his first season with the Heat, a lost season, by the way, 2003-2004, Pat Riley had just uh, stepped away from coaching. Uh, he, of course, wound up coming back for their finals around 2006, but that's a whole other story. In 2003, he had stepped away after years of mediocrity because of Alonzo Mourning's kidney diagnosis and the fact that he was no longer an active part of the team were kind of off and on and, and really just not an impactful player over those last two seasons that he winds up leaving a free agency joining the New Jersey Nets. And so there's this new era of heat basketball and for a lot of heat fans wondering, well, who's going to take over. And of course, a lot of the mindset also with Pat Riley as the head coach and GM for the team was, you know, you need a pivot, you need a center, right? You need somebody, a, a big that helps to find the team moving forward and said they drafted this kid who was six, four on a good day. And there's questions about his three point shot and, what position he's going to play. And then he winds up and having this incredible rookie season where by the end of the season, it was clear that he was the future of the team and he had some incredible moments in the playoffs. And you could tell that he was an elite level athlete, if nothing else. And then slowly over the next season or two with the acquisition of Shaquille O'Neal, then you kind of start to see him blossom as a full-fledged superstar. And, and it's funny that you mentioned 2006 and we could save this for later on if you want to, but I rewatched the 2006 finals this past year and the way they talk about Dwayne, it, you can tell that the hype machine is starting to build up a little bit, but they're not quite sure what to make of him as a player yet. But the way they, they describe him, he's a star on the rise. Like, Oh, we're kind of seeing this play out in real time. Then of course he winds up having one of the most dominant finals performances in NBA history. So that, that to me is what I think of. And I know that was a long winded answer, but he just defined what a superstar was for me from beginning to end of his career. No, I think that's a great way to sum up his career, especially in Miami. And I do want to talk about, I want to wait for the finals talk for the mo most memorable moment, because I think it's got to be that finals run. So we're save that for there. The only thing I, I want to hit on, because I thought that was a great way to talk about Wade's kind of career in Miami. Um, and, you know, a two minute speech there, you know, you talked about Wayne, Wade being the best uh, Miami heat player of all time. And, and I yeah. think that's, I don't think anyone's arguing with that. And, and I, cause I was thinking about, I was like, who's even in, in competition. Of course there's Alonzo there's, there's, you know, a player like Tim Hardaway. You can go back and say that Jimmy Butler. Now, you know, I think a lot of fans love Jimmy there. Um, and then there was the four years of LeBron, which was just, you know, a great four years, but distance wise, I don't know. There's a lot of players that have played four years in places. and doesn't feel really like it was their team. And right. then you, of course you got Udonis Haslam, who's, who's like 90 years old and, and still getting a, you know, money from the Miami heat organization. Um, Dave, my question to you is, you know, Wade's number one, who, who's number two, who's the second best player. Who's, who's behind Wade. That's a, that is a tough question. And, and, and I should also go back and say, there's no besmirching of Udonis Hassel. I know this is your podcast. <laughs> my, 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 my wife is, Haslam's biggest fan so she would not let Good. me do that either so she should be on the podcast <laughs> you know no I, like uh they're gonna celebrate Udonis later <laughs> on this year but uh it's it's amazing that Dwayne's been retired for what feels like an eternity and Udonis is still on the team somehow even though they joined at the same time uh number two is is a difficult one to answer because I think a lot of people think of Alonzo's tenure as being what really defined Miami like he was Miami's first superstar when he was acquired in 1995 and 
there was just wasn't a lot of finals or championship success. They, I mean, they never even made the finals with Alonzo Mourning sure. until 2006. So uh, I, I think he's probably viewed as number two. And I think there's still some lingering resentment about LeBron's departure in 2014, which keeps him. I think he's clearly the second most impactful player. Like, it, I don't know if LeBron's not on those teams for 2010 to 2014. Does that version of Miami still compete for a championship? Maybe. And with Chris Bosh and Dwayne at their peak, it's arguable. And, and you know, with whatever money they would have had allocated towards LeBron, maybe they would have added another third-level superstar. Uh, I know there was some talk about Amari Stoudemire and things of that sort, though maybe there was a conflict with Bosh. But either way, like, I, LeBron was just so good. Two-time MVP during that span and just such an incredible player. Jimmy's making a strong case. To me, I think he's on the Mount Rushmore of Heat players. <laughs> And I think a lot of Heat fans feel that way, uh, regardless of whether they make a trip to the finals or win a, a championship. I, I still think he belongs to be there just from what we've seen from him as a great individual player over the last four seasons. But yeah, I, I'd have to say to me, it's LeBron, Alonzo Mourning third with, uh, Le, uh, with Jimmy closing in on, on fourth best. And you have to acknowledge Shaquille O'Neal. I know a lot of people probably have forgotten his tenure in Miami, but he was a pretty dominant player when he first joined the team by that 2006 finals, again, something that we'll continue talking about. He was a little slow. He was clearly a step slower, uh, but still able to dominate the game just because of sheer size and, and rebounding ability. And yeah, of course the proximity to the basket and everything else like that. So anyway, that, that's uh, I, I think he's probably fifth best or fifth most important uh, in, in heat franchise history with Udonis at six. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's a franchise, it's a younger franchise still, but again, yeah. it's a young franchise that has, you know, two championships and have been to a number of finals now, a lot right. better than a lot of younger franchises can say, but we're not going to go down that path. Let's go to that memorable moment, though. Ah. Because we're dancing around it and we need to talk about it because, I, I don't think unless Dave, David, you want to throw me a, a curveball here, but I feel like the most memorable moment for Wade's career has to be the 2006 finals. Um, yeah, you talked I, about, you talked about, you rewatched it over the summer yeah. or you rewatched it recently. What other than, you know, people are just recognizing, I mean, people forget Wade was only 24. That was his third season. That was his third season at least 24 years old. When they won that championship, he won the finals MVP when you rewatch that, other than maybe the recognition by everyone that, hey, this this kid's really special, he's got it, what else stood out to you about that series as you kind of rewatched it all these years later? The difference in athleticism, seeing him was like, and I, I, I know maybe it seems like an unfair comparison, but watching Jordan in the early years when mm. he was such a great athlete that, you know, regardless of the the high level of competition, whether it be a Boston Celtic or an Atlanta Hawk or the Sixers or any of those teams that were among the same level as uh, early Michael Jordan uh, throughout his career. I, Dwayne's athleticism was just so incredible. Like he was just moving at a different speed and nobody could seem to stop him. And, and I know it's easy to kind of break it down to just the free throws, the free throws and the officiating and everything else like that. I know it's a, it's a joke. I, I watched it and I tried to watch it not as a heat fan, but with a completely as much as I could unbiased opinion. And I, I really thought he earned a lot of those trips. I think there were some very, very friendly whistles, but not so egregious as some, as some of the calls that we saw. There were no flopping. 
from Dwayne. There was no flopping. Maybe there was like, well, I kind of saw some contact. But a lot of that, again, was an offshoot of just, he's just so much faster than everybody. Who was going to be able to defend him on that team? And so there was a, a you know, there was going to be contact because he was just blasting right past you and you couldn't find a way to stop him. So, yeah, I think that 2006 finals run was just incredible. His shot making, though, is something we tend to forget. Uh, not great from three, but his mid-range shot or even his long range two, like 22 feet, was really, really exceptional, especially during that finals run. And he just had moments there where you're watching a game, and again, it's a slower pace, much slower offense, not a lot of three-point shooting. Even with Dirk out on the floor, a lot of his mastery was from the mid-range as well. And you see Dwayne just kind of take over the game, a steal, a block. And again, that's something we should talk about too, is his, incredible, mm. his, his ability to block shots, uh, tops for players 6'4 and under throughout the NBA. And, and you know, he just he could turn around a couple of possessions and just find a way to kill you and, and, and just pull away for five, six points, which that was all you needed. You just needed that little bit of a deficit there in order for him to establish a way to win. I should mention, too, we're recording this on March 9th. It's the 14th anniversary of perhaps his most iconic moment where he hits that uh, the game winner against the Chicago Bulls and then jumps to the podium. So that's a, a fun fact. <laughs> Not a fun fact for uh, my Chicago fan base here in my home city, but yes. Um, that was today. I don't think I realized that I knew it was in March. I don't know if I knew today was the day. David, there's not the reason why we're we're hosting it today, but it worked out that way. And yeah, th this finals to me is the obvious memorable moment. I obviously, you know, Wade won three championships, um, appeared in a number of other finals, but this is the one that people are always going to, you know, hang their hat on it. At, at, I don't want to say peak Wade because he was only 24, but maybe at the height of his athleticism before sure. some injuries started taking their toll, right? Uh, you know, he averages 34.7 points per game during that finals uh, appearance, playing 44 minutes a game. So no load management um, back then. That, that scoring averages the 12th highest ever in an NBA finals. And, and the only names ahead of him are, are, are the all-time, all-time greats. The, the Michael Jordans. The Shaqs, Elgin Baylor's, Rick Barry's, right. Jerry West, LeBron James, Allen Iverson, Durant. That's it. It's these guys in Wade. So he's in with some of the best players of all time. You talked about the free throws, David. 97 attempts. Not actually the record for the finals. Elgin Baylor attempted 99 back in 1962. Uh, but he, 97 is still a lot. Tied for Bob Pettit for the most, actually when he had 97 attempts in 1957. So just a little different basketball happening back then. He makes 75 of them. And I always look at his game um, five and game six and game five, he attempts 25 free throws, makes 21. And in the clinching game six, he makes 16 of 21 free throws. So two games in a row where he's attempting over 20 free throws now, you know, I am not down in Miami. I am not a Heat fan by any of the imagination, but a lot of people that, and I saw this all over Twitter yesterday when I was posting, you know, best shooting guards of all time. A lot of people are coming after Dwayne Wade because of this series, because of the free throws. You know, David, you said you look back and he deserved most of those calls. How does Heat, how does the Heat fan base though, look at that series? Is there any hint of, okay, maybe something was up in that series. Maybe we got an unfair advantage. Or is it, you know, Wade is, even in the regular season, one of the best guys at getting at the line. I mean, there was two seasons. He averaged over 10 attempts 
per game for the entire season, which is kind of rare to do. I mean, how does the fan base look at it? Is that looked at with not an asterisk, but like maybe something was up or not at all. That's not even in the discussion. Uh, I think they kind of look at it more as in a somewhat joking manner. Like, you know what, if, even if he did get the friendly whistle, who cares? Like, it didn't uh, matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. I, I think that's really, I think they just sort of accepted it that uh, Dwayne was dominant at that point and he's going to get rewarded with the occasional foul call. If it's 20 or more, who knows, whatever they're, they're okay with it. Uh, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, you can't smear Dwayne Wade in any way. Uh, again, even his departure in 2004, or 16, excuse me, like it's kind of overlooked as, yeah, well, you know, as a franchise, they did him wrong and he deserved a chance to make a lot of money elsewhere. You know, again, from your, from your native Chicago Bulls there, luckily paying him $20 million a year to be a, a pretty mediocre player. It is the home hometown premium. We, we, he, we, we needed the guy to get back for a little bit of time, but yeah, that was, not the best look for our franchise. And <laughs> I honestly, like it kind of left a bad taste in our mouth about Wade. Um, the only other thing I want to hit on, on, on the finals appearance there, David is, you know, you mentioned earlier Shaq came to the heat and it, I think his first year he was, he was almost normal Shaq, not peak Lakers Shaq, but just about there. But by the time the finals rolled around with Wade, you know, if you look back at the last 10, 20 finals, everyone has a lot of help, right? When they're getting to the finals, they usually say, except Dirk Nowinski, when he beat the Heat in 2011, he put that whole team on his back and he did it on his own. Everyone else lately has a lot of help. Two, three, all-stars, you know, super teams, all this stuff. But when I really look back at that finals, yes, they had Shaq. Yes, Wade had Shaq. And by name, that looks like, you know, that's a one-two tandem, but... As you kind of alluded to, by the time the finals rolled around, you know, I looked at it, Shaq, Shaq was averaging 13 and a half points per game and 10 boards in that series as the kind of number two guy on that team where in today's NBA, I mean, that's the fourth option on a team averaging that much. I think Antoine Walker actually averaged maybe point, like a tenth of a point more than him in that series as actually the number two score on a championship team, which... I think would shock many. I mean, Dirk gets that, hey, he took the team on his back, really dragged them to the finals and won it. Is it, I mean, shouldn't we say the same about Wade in 2006? I mean, to me, both when I watch the games and when I look at the box score, that's kind of the story it's telling. I mean, did he really have much of a supporting cast at all? Yes and no. Like they just weren't able to have that kind of, great an impact but there were some it's hard for me to separate because again they they added gary payton they had just brought back Mm -hmm. alonzo mourning you know antoine walker the trade for jason williams all these players had their occasional moments throughout the series but just nothing compares to the incredible level of production from Dwayne wade but you bring up a good point and it's so interesting because Dwayne and dirk's careers have just been tangled so completely um you know the fact that they're both likely going into the hall of fame later this year just as a perfect you know capper to this but Dwayne uh you know it's an interesting question I've, I don't know that I've ever thought about it because I I just feel like in Miami it's just so well accepted that he was a great player that that was a really good team and he just happened to be the very best player but he does not get the same kind of credit as as Dirk does for carrying a team single-handedly and yet that is really the case look Again, watching that final series recently over the offseason, 
you know, Eric Dampier, Sanga Jop, you know, large bodies that were able to somehow challenge this version of Shaquille O'Neal. They kept him away from, from being as impactful. He just wasn't able, he didn't have the drop step to the same degree. His touch around the basket was a little off. He was terrible from the free throw line. So it just was a much, it was a very minimized version of the Shaquille O'Neal that even we had seen the year prior when he was one of the top five players in the league in 2004, 2005, worthy MVP candidate. At least so that's what a lot of people in South Florida thought. So by the time he gets to the NBA finals, it's many steps slower, no longer as impactful. Antoine had some big moments. Uh, Alonzo Mourning might have been Miami's best center during that stretch. Yeah. It, you know, he had, in terms of his overall impact, it wasn't the same because he just wasn't playing a lot of minutes because he couldn't. But when he would go in there, it was a defensive presence that Shaquille O'Neal could not provide and a level of energy and enthusiasm that was exactly what Miami needed. But And, and what Dwayne did was just, again, those single moments where he was just you know what, this far, no further, I'm going to take over a game, establish dominance, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Did he get some help from the refs? Sure. But what star does it? Like, that's the whole thing is like, what superstar doesn't get the call because they've earned it because they're doing something out there that they their eyes can't process quickly enough. And I think that's what it was with Dwayne. He was just, he was being guarded by Jason Terry, who's much too small. And not nearly quick enough to hard, you know, to get, get a, a guy like Dwayne or challenge him physically like that. So it was uh I, I think he he gets a lot of ribbing for it, but I don't think it's well deserved. And and yes, his 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 incredible individual impact there should be recognized as one of the all-time great finals performances. Yeah, and one last note before we move on for anyone that listens, I know there's plenty of you that love advanced metrics. You know, he did have a 33.8 PR in that finals, which at the time was the best since. The merger, I believe LeBron uh, might have surpassed that in a recent finals. But uh, again, still one of the more all-time great finals performances. David, I do want to move on to yeah. this next segment, though. We call this and twins. No! Quarterbacks eating dirt! Pom-poms and short skirts! Fans who won't quit! And those twins! Mm. And again, what we do here is we take a look at the Hall of Fame today, and we go either statistically or the way they played the game, who is the closest Hall of Famer today that matches what Wade did on a basketball court? I have a name down. I'm interested to see if it matches with yours. Who would you say Wade's closest? And again, never there's never identical twins, but who is his closest twin in the Hall of Fame? I, I struggled with this one, and I, I really couldn't come up with, a again, a, a direct match in terms of their style of play but the name that uh was closest to me and it sounds almost like sacrilege is uh is michael jordan um in terms of what Dwayne could do defensively his underrated passing ability like he was the he was the the the, the hub of miami's offense for so long and some people tend to overlook the fact that he was just a great playmaker as well combining that incredible elite levels of athleticism and making some great passes and then just his ability to score. And, and again, from what I said earlier, like watching him in those early years when players, were, they couldn't figure out what to do with him. He was just so quick, stop on a dime, pull up jumper right in your face, and that jumper was going to fall more often than not. That was, to me, watching something akin to like Michael Jordan when he was dominating. And, and those moments where he takes over a game, it's kind of like Michael, you know? Like watching the 90s era and watching Michael play, 
and maybe the Bulls are down 10, maybe they're down eight, somewhere around there. You know, Knicks have a good game going. But you know that moment's going to come when Michael's going to take over the game, and it's going to come, and it's probably going to lead to a Chicago win. That's how a lot of Heat fans felt watching Miami Heat basketball from 2003 until 2016. Because you know with Dwayne Wade on the roster, there's always a moment there where you can still you still have a chance despite everything. So that was the, the best comparison. I'm sure there's another player out there in terms of size and style that maybe fits them best. I'm curious to hear what your name is. Well, first, um, I want to comment on the Michael Jordan thing. So I, I, I'm not allowed to compare anyone to Michael Jordan. It's sacrilegious <laughs> here where I live. I, I, but, I I but, but, a, but a couple of notes where you're right on that. Um, you know, you talked earlier, Dwayne Wade for a guard was an excellent shot blocker. You know, the, the most ever by a player 6'4". I think that's really, you know, a nod to his athleticism there to be able to get up and, and block and the anticipation – and when you look at the all-time blocks, you know, most blocks by shooting guards, uh, Jordan's at the top of that list with with Wade right behind him. Vince Carter actually, I think, is first all-time because, again, he played for 20-something years. But I think it goes Vince Carter, Jordan, Wade when it goes to shooting guards. So that ability to, to be an excellent shot blocker, which, again, no one looks at his shooting guards like, is he a good shot blocker? But Wade was an excellent one, as was Jordan, both of them had a number of years where they averaged well over a block, which again is rare for a guard. So I just want to point that out. And then, you know, again, Wade's ability to get to the hoop and draw a foul and average, you know, a number of free throws. That was a Michael Jordan specialty. Um, you know, I think Jordan did it. He was one of the best at doing it, but Wade's up there too. So his ability to attack and take over all qualities Jordan had. So I totally get where you're coming from there. Um, again, I'm not allowed to say that really, or have that down. So I don't, who I have down is who I consider Michael Jordan light. Um, right. And I think it's a good, I think honestly, between Michael Jordan and Clyde, like a mash of it is kind of what we have here. And that's Clyde Drexler. That's um, you know, I, Clyde Drexler had that all around game you were talking about, right? He could rebound, he could pass, he could score. Um, he was more of a slasher. He didn't have an outside shot, kind of just like Wade. And he got his team to, uh, you know, the Blazers to a couple finals. They couldn't get over the hump. He finally joins up with Keem, wins one. But I think Drexler is, and I love Clyde Drexler, but to me, Drexler didn't have the, and everyone mind my language here, but that kind of fuck you um, scoring ability, right? Like yeah. Drexler could score. Average 20 points a game for his career, but he didn't have that next level up where he's averaging 35 a game in the finals or anything like that. Wade had that, which is where he's more of the Jordan. Right. So, so that's where I think, I, I think you're not crazy saying Jordan by any means. I, I think he's a kind of a mix between Drexler and Jordan in that standpoint. But I get, I guess, David, what we should appreciate here is you're talking Jordan. I'm talking Drexler. Those are two of the best shooting guards to ever play in the NBA. So I guess what we're saying here, he's in very good company. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> Historically great player. And, and I think like a lot of Heat fans probably didn't appreciate that even when watching him because it, it was, again, it was this the evolution, not just of, of his own career, but like the extenuating circumstances around the Heat to go from 2003 in a team that wasn't supposed to make any noise. You've got Stan Van Gundy taking over his coach, Lamar Odom. Eddie Jones, an older Eddie Jones on the roster, Brian Grant, like all these names. And you're like, kind of like, well, okay, well, maybe they're a fun team. They wound up being one of the most fun key teams in franchise history. I think a lot of longtime fans, 
despite the success of the big three era from 2010 to 2014, the finals runs with Jimmy, et cetera, like you still see that 2003, 2014, and the expectations were so outsized by what they accomplished that that was just a great team. And then to go right, right away next season, you swing one of the biggest trades in, in NBA history for Shaquille O'Neal, right? Uh, when a superstar still at his peak. Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, the expectations are off. It's like, okay, that was a fun playoff team, but now we're it's championship or bust. And for two seasons, you know, they were they were right there. And, and then the next few seasons after that, 2006-07 was a bad year. Dwayne was hurt. Uh, they missed a lot of time. Uh, you know, then it, they're kind of okay after that. Um, they go into the lottery. And then there's two years of Dwayne being an MVP level player on a really bad heat team that nobody seemed to care about. Like even, and again, maybe you could say that as the league in general, it was a kind of in between stars and, and maybe you weren't quite sure how to define it, but 2008 to 2010, you know, LeBron was coming into his own, but he didn't win a championship. It was the Duncan era in San Antonio, but Dwayne was as good as all of them. And, and he's up there with Kobe and any other player that you want to put in that same level. So I, it's just interesting to see how it, his career played out there. And he wound up becoming the best player franchise history but at the time i don't think anybody realized it like you, you didn't think of yourself as having these kind of incredible incredible historical context to place on his career you were just curious to see what he was going to be able to do next and then of course he wound up having a, a one of the again the best career in, in franchise history without a doubt yeah and we're gonna we're gonna hit on kind of where he stands in the history of basketball so let's move mm. to our final segment again we call this court you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And, and usually, David, what we would do here, and we're going to do a little bit, but we usually kind of pick apart uh, players' Hall of Fame candidacy. And I do want to touch on maybe some things about Wade where he didn't excel at. But first, I, I want to still stay on a, a positive track here of um, – you know, we just were comparing him to Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler. So, uh, obviously, he's up there with some of the better shooting guards of all time. And, and when I'm looking at the best shooting guards of all time, that's what we're actually going to talk about here. You know, I, I have my guy MJ first. I won't hear anything else. I, I don't think anyone's going to fight me on that one. Um, and then I have Kobe second. You nod your head. We could talk about that. But I have Kobe second. And then after that, you know, the floodgates open, David. And and I put out a, a poll the other day on Twitter and, and just got destroyed by very mean people on Twitter. But basically, I was like, you know, who's the third best shooting guard of all time? I said, Jordan's first for me, Kobe's second. Who's third? And I threw out Wade. Uh, I threw out Drexler. I threw out Allen Iverson. And people fought me on, was he a point guard or shooting guard? Again, right. it gets blurry there. I say he's a shooting guard. I threw out James Harden. Again, you can have that same as he a point guard or shooting guard. I said he's a shooting guard. Um, I, I, I have Jerry West as a point guard, not a shooting guard. People attacked mm -hmm. me on that, but I'm going to stay with that. Mm -hmm. But then I didn't, you know, throw on the George Gervins, the Ray Allens, the Reggie Millers of the world. So, so for, I'm glad we're having this because I, I needed someone else outside of, you know, the crazies on Twitter to, to give me per, some perspective here. When we're talking where Wade fits all time. Oh, by the way, in that poll, Wade won mm. like very, I mean, 48% of the vote went to Wade. Alan Iverson got second with 25%. My guy Clyde, just 16%. Mm. So Wade won the vote. 
but I don't know if I agree with it. Where do you see Wade fitting historically? I know this is a very hard question to ask, but historically among the best shooting guards of all time. Yeah, that it is a tough one to answer. And, I, and again, I try to be as unbiased as possible. It, it's hard to separate, particularly covering the heat and, and, and living in South Florida and knowing his impact because he, he's just so ubiquitous with everything the heat have done. And he defied the team for so long and as much success as they achieved with the big three and even what they have now with Jimmy Butler, none of that is possible without Dwayne Wade, but even outside of Miami, like, I don't know that he's viewed the same. I think he's viewed as somebody who cheated his way to his first championship in 2006, somebody who rode LeBron's coattails for four seasons to get his next two championships and who after that kind of basically petered out and maybe he had some moments as vintage Wade and it just, he never seemed to be viewed as that larger than life individual player, the same way Kobe was like Kobe was Kobe and he's unassailable now, especially in death. But I, I don't, I, I, I have to agree with the results of the poll that I think he's the third best. Like, like Clyde was a great player. And again, I, I lack the kind of nuance from not having seen that career or followed that career when it was first uh, evolving so I don't know how he was viewed. I know how a lot of people saw him as kind of a much, much, much lighter version of a, a much poor, poorer man's version of uh, of uh, Michael Jordan. But uh, again, not achieving the same kind of finals or championship success. He didn't have the same kind of individual hardware as as Jordan. So it's hard to say, you know, if you didn't watch all 82 games of the regular season, whether or not he was comparable on a night-to-night -night basis so all I have is really having seen the more modern players Allen Iverson you know he kind of to me I, I wasn't a real big fan of Allen's of AI I just think you know he took advantage of a change in the officiating and he was one of these bridge players and I know that current NBA stars or at least the older ones love point to Iverson pound for pound greatest player at the time etc uh I, I i remember watching his career early on and just thinking ah, he's a free throw merchant i i just don't like the fact that he gets all these calls i don't like him going to the line so much he's putting up these incredibly inefficient stat lines on a night-to-night -night basis yeah he finished with 35 points but he was like 15 of 30 shooting or not even 15 like, like 8 of 30 shooting for the field with like you know 15 trips to the line it's like okay well that's how you get to 35 points uh, I don't know. Uh, I think he distinguished himself. He, he's he yeah. He's distinguished himself from the the competition in in terms of his defensive impact, which Iverson did not have as great as he was at stealing the ball and things like that. So I think Dwayne's overall defensive impact individually was which much higher. Clyde similarly, I think he's a better defender, and, and he just has those finals performances, those moments that you recognize. Oh, he is the greatest player on the floor. It's hard for me to take that away from him. I, I will say also about the shot blocking. We were talking about it earlier. Not a lot of people know his wingspan is almost like 6'11", so yeah. that certainly helped along with that incredible burst and leaping ability. But yeah, uh, that was a big part of why he had such great timing there. But uh, yeah, I, I'd have to have him third. I know that was a long-winded answer, but I still think he's third. You you disagree? You think Clyde is the third best shooting guard? Of all time? I, I I it's between Wade and in, in, in it's between Wade and Drexler, and and for me, I, I think I have a soft spot for Drexler. Um, just growing like he was. I grew up in the '90s, and as a kid, 
it was MJ. And, and even though Drexler was a little older by the time I was understanding what was going on on the Rockets, I never saw him on the Blazers live. Yeah, I just always loved his game. Um, and I loved he he's all around play. I mean, the guy was the guy was a playmaker. I mean, he has more career assists than Wade. Uh, he had a higher average than Wade. He had a couple seasons where he was almost averaging eight assists a game along with seven boards and like 25 points. He was runner up to win MVP one year, um, I believe in 92. Uh, and Wade never was a runner up. He The best Wade ever finished was third. So I right. feel like at Drexler's peak, he was actually looked upon in the NBA as one of the best players, but he was mm. always that guy that couldn't get over the hump, right? Like he got to the finals twice. He met Magic once. He met Jordan once. He lost both. I mean, those are two of the top five, six guys of all time. If they don't exist. Does he have two championships with the Blazers and another with Houston? Um, I think at the end of the day, though, David, to be fair, I think Wade is the third best because he has the hardware that Drexler doesn't. It's a lot of what ifs with Drexler. And then Wade has that performance. I, there's nothing in Drexler's career I can point to that Wade did in 2006. So I think Drexler honestly was the better all around guy. But but Wade has that moment in, in the NBA narrative we all know matters a lot. And we can all point to that. The casual NBA fan can look back at that 2006 finals, whether they say it was rigged or not, whatever. Uh, the numbers don't lie. Again, if he doesn't get as many free throws attempts, he's still averaging 30-something a game. I promise yeah. you that. It's not that drastic. Um, and again, that was a, a series where Dallas was up 2-0 heater down we didn't really talk about us he were down in the fourth quarter wade i mean they're about to go down 3-0 wade rallies them back almost by himself and then they went four straight there it just it's an incredible all-time performance it doesn't hurt he won two more rings with lebron so i think it has to go jordan bryant wade and then drexler's firmly in the fourth place for me i think i think my voters got got that wrong i iverson has the name recognition the shoe yeah. Um, was the face of the NBA, honestly, for a few years there. But uh, Clyde's Clyde's game to me was much more well-rounded, and I, I take a lot of stock in that. No, I, I, I can I can totally see that, and I'm glad that you brought that kind of perspective there. I think he's one of those players that does not get nearly enough recognition, partially because his career played out in terms of Michael Jordan's shadow, and that's the, that's the lasting image there that we have of that, and that the only time he did win a championship was – when he joined the Houston Rockets during the time when Michael had retired and he was no longer in his way there. So yeah, it's uh it's, it's, it's good to hear somebody give that kind of perspective on a great career that doesn't get nearly enough recognition, but you know what? Enough of Clyde though. He's, he's yeah, always it's not, it's not a Clyde podcast. He's already in the hall of fame. Um, so go back to Wade here. So again, we've third best shooting guards of all, all time. It's hard, hard to nitpick someone like that, but um, I, I want to talk about a few things that maybe aren't covered as much. So you know, Wade, we talk about early in his career, great shot blocker. He makes mm. three all defensive teams. Um, He looks like, again, I'm going to bring up Michael Jordan. I, I got to stop doing this. But, you know, Michael, to me, is the best two-way guard of all time, right? Of yeah. course, the best offensively ever and one of the best defensively. To me, early Wade, it looked like he was going to be the same kind of guy, making all defensive team every year, you know, being that two-way force that Jordan was. But I feel like after, you know, I don't know, the first four or five years, it kind of leveled off and that defensive ability to me, I didn't look at him as that two-way threat. Am I wrong in thinking that? And if I'm not, what do you think happened with the defense there? What, why 
did he not continue to make all defensive teams? Why did he continue to be this stout defender? You mentioned the wingspan. You mentioned the way he could cover the ground, the athleticism. Was it just a loss of athleticism after a few injuries or was it something else? No, I think he took his foot off the pedal uh, by choice. I, I think he saw, he read the tea leaves perfectly and knew that during 2008 to 2010, uh, arguably his peak as an offensive player, there was only so much he could do to carry the team on both sides and they weren't good enough. This wasn't, you know, Michael could say, you know, I have to put up these incredible performances and he wouldn't do anything but that because it would kill him to not give 110% and see somebody lying at his feet as a victim in front of him. You know, that's just the kind of pure assassin that Jordan was. But for Wade, like he was carrying that team so during that two year span so completely that for him to put out that maximum effort all the time would have been exhausting and might have exacerbated some long-term injuries like he was playing with a hurt knee throughout his whole career you know because yeah. he hurt it in college and he just never you know he, he certainly bounced back from it but I think it wasn't always going to be an ongoing issue he got hurt the year prior to 2008 which is why they had slipped into the lottery and I think he was just worried about re-aggravating an injury having to do too much and for what when they weren't going to be able to compete with some of the better teams in the NBA at the time he had to pick his moments. It's not to say that he wasn't a great defender, but he was a lot more selective about when we'd see those moments. And I think we certainly saw them during the big three run, even as eventually that last season wound up sapping a lot of his athleticism because of that ongoing knee program. And that was the first time that I heard the, ter the term a maintenance program. Like there was a lot of missed games uh, in between that 13, 14 season where he was just missing a lot of time. And LeBron had to carry the team and then Chris Bosch would come in and have his moments too. And by the time they made it to that fourth finals run, consecutive finals run, you could tell that LeBron was kind of tired and, and maybe opened up the question as to whether or not he'd have to carry this team and what kind of a, what kind of a sidekick would Dwayne Wade be at the later stage of his career. So I, I think we saw great moments from Dwayne following 2014, but they had to be a lot more selective. He couldn't just, dominate every game night in night out for 40 plus minutes a game yeah no I mean that that makes a lot of sense and again I, I don't want to um I don't want to make it look like he wasn't a good defender at all because as we said again one of the best shot blocking um defensive or I'm sorry guards of all time and again he he was in lanes his athleticism his length I don't think I realized David his wingspan was as long as you said it was so that's quite yeah. incredible that's that that's everything the NBA is about today wingspan. So he's ideal for today. The yeah. one thing he wouldn't be ideal for in today's game though, is the three point shooting. Um, you know, it was, I went back and looked, his numbers were actually worse than I realized for his career, 29.3% from three ladies and gentlemen, that is worse than Russell Westbrook's career average. And you see what they're doing to him today. They're just not guarding him. I don't remember it again. Wade, excellent getting to the paint, excellent getting to the line, great mid range range game. The outside shot never fell though. You know he was a pretty decent free throw shooter. The form was good. David, why couldn't he figure out the three point shot? Was it just I'm so athletic, I'm so good, I don't need that shot? Was it something he worked on and just could never get there? What was it about it? Why couldn't he ever figure out from the outside? I don't know that he's ever admitted it. Uh, even at the tail end of his career, when he came back to Miami, uh, you would think that he, if he wanted, he, look, he wanted to stick around the year for, uh, this, in, the, in the NBA for another year. 
you would think he would recognize I've got to add a dimension there. He did not. He never added the three-point shot into his arsenal. And I just don't know if it was reluctance. We see that so much with older players refusing to redefine their game. And and it's funny because, you know, the, the quote always attributed to, to Michael Jordan, right, about you come in every offseason and you have to add something to your game in order to continue being one of the best players in the world. And, and you know, Dwayne, Dwayne continued being the same player from day one to the end of his career in terms of the outside shot. Like he, he did have a little bit more of the old man game and playing more off ball, especially when LeBron was in town, uh, a lot of baseline cuts and things of that sort in order to still get open looks. Like he was really, really good at it in a way that a lot of people would expect, would not have expected considering he had the ball in his hands so often earlier before LeBron joined the team, but he made a, an evolution to an off ball player exceedingly well just never the three-point shot. And I don't I don't know if it was just a reluctance from his part or just like, you know what, he would take them. Um, yeah. As you pointed out, he wouldn't make a lot of them. Uh, it always seemed, though, that he hit them when they mattered most, even some three-point game-winning shots. And so that might have given him a lot of leeway and like, oh, okay, he's going to miss seven before that. But as long as he hits that last one in the clutch moments of a game, it's all good. We can accept that, uh, which is something that Westbrook, I don't think, has ever really been capable of either. Yeah, and actually, to that point, um, he's almost a 34% three-point shooter in the playoffs. So yeah. quite, a, quite a bit, actually, improvement there, which maybe in the big spots he is making them, again, gives you more leeway in other parts. Um, now, David, at the end of this, at the end of the podcast, you know, I, I usually ask my guests, you know, do you think this person should be in the Hall of Fame? Do you think they're going to get in? You know, we just talked about how Wade is arguably the third best shooting guard of all time. So I think we've kind of answered those questions uh, during the podcast. What I want to ask you here, though, at the end, in, in place of that is this. Um, this 2023 Hall of Fame basketball class, it is going to include Dirk. Hmm. It's going to include Wade. And then I can't imagine it not also including Pagasol and Tony Parker. It's a, It's a... It's a crew of crews this year. It's an all-time class. Right now, when I look at articles or I talk about the class, I always talk about Dirk as the headliner. Again, I think they're all headliners, but it's who's the name you're putting first, right, in the headline? And I I see a lot. It's like Dirk, Wade, and then others, right? It's, It's those two at the top. Is there any argument that Wade should be the headliner of this class over Dirk or is most people getting it right having Dirk and then Wade and that's no shade on Dwayne Wade because again Dirk is one of the greatest players of all time as well you know it's uh, a great question um and it's when you and first invited me onto the show I had expressed some reluctance to and I think this is part of the overall argument Dirk's a much more likable guy than Dwayne Wade ever was Mm. at least to me and I think that's a big part of it too. Like I know I'm speaking sacrilege here the same way you can't mention, you know, any comparison to Michael Jordan to be smirched Dwayne Wade in South Florida. I'm pretty sure I've got a, a sniper hanging outside my house right now as we speak. And, and it's just, he he has become this larger than life figure in, in terms of defining South Florida sports. And he's like, he's broke so many different eras in heat basketball. Like, even now, like, like there was a statistic I used to like pointing out to not that long ago when since 1995, when Pat Riley joined the team, the Heat were defined by either Alonzo Mourning or Dwayne Wade for like 26 out of 28 years or something like that. It was something ridiculous with the exception of that one season 
where where you know Dwayne was in Chicago and then later on for half a season in Cleveland. You know, Dwayne just wasn't. He was he was so young when he first came to the team, and he wasn't. I don't think the expectations for him to be a superstar were automatically expected of him. Uh, you know, and and he had to grow. He had to grow more comfortable as a public figure. Uh, at, even as his on court personality was quite evident, his off the court personality was one that I think a lot of Heat fans could never really gravitate towards. Uh, and then later on. I always saw him as not a particularly good leader as far as the clubhouse, the locker room, or whatever you want to call it. Like he, he just wasn't, I remember when the team drafted Michael Beasley in 2008 and a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, Dwayne's going to mentor him. And then Dwayne Wade midway through that first season was like, no, no, I'm not a mentor. I, I you know, I lead by example kind of thing. And that kind of always stuck in my craw and has helped change my perspective of Dwayne Wade. Like I couldn't assail him in terms of what he does on the court. Um, but I, I don't think he is as likable off the court, not to me. And, and a lot of people point now to his role in, in, in so many different social issues and things of that sort. And again, a great defining player in franchise history, but I just don't think he ever was quite as genuine as Dirk was. And, and again, like you pointed out in 2000. 10 2011 like the 2011 finals like Dirk is you know he carries uh that 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 the team of mostly no names and things of that sort to a championship and Dwayne's kind of overlooked oh because he had Hall of Famers he had Gary Payton on that team he had Alonzo Bourne he had Shaquille O'Neal uh it was a group effort and, and a lot of that was gifted him with gifted to him by by the officials so I think that's a big part of it to me I, I despite the fact that I'm not a, as big a fan or don't gravitate towards him personally as much as most of the South Florida Heat fan base does. I still think Dwayne is the greatest, the better individual player in comparison to Dirk. Yeah. So no, I, I think I think, I think no, he's the headliner of this class. No, I think he is the headliner of this class, to be 100 percent hmm. He should be anyway. Well, that's um one, I'm glad you changed your mind to come on. But but two, you know, I I thought it was interesting that. I only saw, I think I saw one site have Wade first and it caught me off guard because everything else I said is Dirk. I mean, to be fair though, like Dirk's one of the most likable players in NBA history, I would say. Yep, um, sure. and, and again, he is someone that did play his entire, like, you know, Wade left for a cup of coffee in Chicago and Cleveland. I don't want to say anything that like hurt anything, but De you know, Dirk never left Dallas. He always took a hometown discount. Um, and he's the best to me, he's the, he's the best player from Europe of all time that, that might change relatively soon with, oh my gosh, some of the talent we have in today's league. But at this point, he still is the all time European guy to play in the NBA. He has over 30,000 career points. I, I personally think he still deserves to be the headliner, but outside of just being the nice guy, but you know, I don't think it's this sure thing because again, Wade has three rings and and Wade has a bunch of, you know, I think Wade at his peak was better than Dirk at his peak, even though Dirk won a regular season MVP award. Yep. Um, and Dirk did have some of the scoring. Uh, again, Wade had the defensive side of it for a while that Dirk never did. Um, and again, that athleticism Wade had, we cannot understand. We cannot overstate anymore how rare it was. And again, maybe some of my younger listeners saw Dwayne on the back half of his of his career where again he had lost a step and all of that but go back watch watch youtube clips of 
mid 2000s to late 2000s Wade, one of the best athletes to play in the game. Um, and the tape shows it. So go back and watch it. Um, David, really appreciate you coming on again. I love that you changed your mind because I wouldn't have had to have this great conversation with you today. Uh, before I get you out of here, uh, anything you want to plug here at the end for the listeners? Uh, you know, just to continue sticking with the Locked On Heat podcast if you're interested in Heat basketball. Aside from that, uh, just our, our coverage, we're going to be, uh, you know, uh, watching the end of Udonis Haslam's career. I know he's a great player in Heat franchise history. Now, aside from that, just follow us on Locked On Heat. You can subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, we appreciate the support, even though this has been a really up and down, inconsistent Heat season. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Before we get you out of here, what what do we what's the Heat's uh, postseason run this year? Where where are we going? First round, second round? What do we see? <laughs> no idea. I really don't. I like I you know seeing this team. There are moments where they're they're great and they can dominate, and we see what playoff Jimmy can do. And there's this expectation that he'll be able to you know get past any opponent or at least put up you know rough routine historic numbers. You know the way that Dwayne once did. So maybe he could carry the team to a second round or maybe even the Eastern Conference Finals, but it seems really unlikely. They could just as easily be a play-in tournament loss. So I have no idea what to make of this team. I don't think the Heat players do either. Yeah. To, to me, honestly, the Heat are someone who could get swept in the first round or make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. It's honestly like a choose-your-own-adventure with them. So fun team for you to cover but also well, I could imagine very frustrating for the fans out there. So for sure, um, we will have to see what happens. David, thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. All right. I want to thank David again for coming on the podcast today. Talk about Dwayne Wade. A lot of fun. Uh, the one thing that David and I actually talked about right after the podcast ended uh, that I forgot to include on the pod is something I really hated about Wade. And again, this is an opposing pa- uh, fan's view, but Wade, excellent offensive player, as you just heard Dave and I talk about for about an hour. Uh, and he was an excellent, you know, pump faker. And he would, he would always, in my head, always uh, sell the pump fake. And then when the offense or the defensive player jumped, he would crash into them, he'd jump into them and then just fling the ball in the air. That ball had no chance of going in the basket, but it was to draw the foul. Again, we talked, Wade got to the foul line again and again and again for his career. Averaged seven free throw attempts per game. He was excellent at it. But this was, annoying, this was an annoying move for, for an opposing fan because, again, he had no sh- chance of making it. He was not trying to attempt a shot. He was trying to draw a foul. And that frustrated me so much about Wade, but he also, like, anybody could can do this or could do this at the time, but Wade was just the best at it. So I, I want to throw that in there because uh, David and I were laughing after the podcast about that. And, and David confirmed, yes, Wade did that to a lot of teams, not just my bulls. Um, but that's all we have today for the podcast. If you don't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a rating review. Follow us on Twitter at Pot of Fame. You can follow our Substack. Uh, if you've done all of those things, you've done your homework. Uh, so have a great week. And we'll talk to you next Monday. Take care. And the 